127 on the mic exists simply as an extension of our college ministry 127 at FBC Bryan. Our prayer is that this podcast be used in accordance with you belonging and investing into a local body. And we hope that this resource is growing in relationship with and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yo, 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 Welcome to the podcast, my crew. Hey, thanks. Hey. Kind of welcome I've gotten today. Come on now. What if you walked in stores? Yo, 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 thank you for welcoming me in the store What a do, Chick-fil-A crew. That is what happened today. It's a, also, hey, sorry. did we all go to Chick Fil A at different times? I think so. There's no three Chick Fil A cups on the table. We've I didn't all realize that. Uh, do you ever find it? Do you order online when you go through the drive-through, like uh, through the app? If I'm leaving the church to go to the one by the church, yes, but okay. almost all the rest of the time, no. Do they always ask you what is your name right off the rip, and you're like, yeah, uh, I have an online order for. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's the most inconvenient thing because if they're like, I feel like I'm not answering their question, you know, because they're like, what is your name? Yeah. But then um, do you go, hey, my name's Zach, but I had an online order or do you go, I had an online order for, for Zach? Yeah. I think I go, I had an online order for. That's what I always, I've always done, but I always feel the awkwardness of them asking me my name. Yeah. yeah that, that happened five minutes ago. Yeah. I was I'm like, sorry. Happened about an hour ago for me. So she was like, what's your name? And I was like, oh, I have an online order. Yeah. <laughs> That's not my question. I want to know what your name is. Um, but was that, you know, was that Jared? It could have been Jared. If you hear a weird banging noise today, they're taking a screen apart right on the other side of the wall where we record the podcast. So that's fun. It will be better than the sermon audio for this week. Dude, that was so bad. I spent about a solid hour yeah. putting surgery on that thing and it still sounds so surgery. bad. Should have called me. I started playing in the truck. I was like, oh, this has got to stop soon. <laughs> no, nope, it's not stopping. And then the, the social media team, oh, they put it up there. They're like, man, if y'all missed it because of fall break, <laughs> go listen to it. And that's the... That's what they're going to listen to. Thanks for that. So it sometimes mistakes happen, especially. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we can prove theologically that Satan lives in the audio video world. That is very true. He, his domain is soundboard and screens. Uh, screens. Where <laughs> Whether they fall or catch on fire. Man, they are struggling in our building. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't this, is where screen, this is where screens come to die. It's very true. It's very true. You know where else things die? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I could hospitals. Um, <laughs> MLB postseason. Golly! Hey, hey, the Red Sox didn't die there. They died <laughs> way before then. Okay. Hey, true. I, I told the, these guys on the before <laughs> before this started, but I just want to I just want to settle a truce. There is no, no truce in the sports there's world. There's no truce. It would be like, hey, if we get beat by UT next year, let's just cheer for them. No, that's a terrible idea. That is not the same. You said Texas is the best state. Why not cheer for them? Then that the same University of Texas. The same theology applies there. I'm just saying. Okay, finish your statement, guys. Guys, ladies and ladies and ladies and (laughs) (laughs) guys, ladies and boys, (laughs) guys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. um, During during these next week or two weeks, however long this series. Don't be animus towards animus. Don't be animus. Don't be um, language of origin, please. <laughs> I, uh, don't <laughs> don't be angry with your your brothers and sisters in Christ who are not the same sports fan as you. Oh, so if you're an Astros fan, don't be mad at the Rangers fans. Rangers fans, don't be rude to the Astros I fans. Think you, I think you need to be preaching to your team because we've been here before, bro. Oh, and God so Lord. I just want to say this: we whoever this wins, rolls. whoever wins the ALCS, let's not be. 
let's not be negative towards that team when they go to the World Series. Okay. Are you setting yourself up more to not like hear about Texas getting beat or Ooh. are you recognizing like a pride in your own life going, I'm going to rub this in the, mm. the Astros face when mm. they lose or no, I'm not even, I, I would not, I wouldn't rub it in. I think it would just be, you I'm should. trying to make sure that nobody, I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard of this. Every team that has said we want Houston have, has lost. That's yeah, I not, didn't say we want Houston. Well. Your entire fan base did. I, look, <laughs> I don't agree with everybody in my fan base. That's, that's a wise approach. <laughs> yeah, that's probably but, a good But thing. listen, I'm not going to agree with that. All right? I have a team that I cheer for, okay? Yeah. And if if a team beats them, like like I had this weird thing going on inside of me where when Tampa Bay, like I kind of wanted Tampa Bay to win just because it was like, oh, they're from the AL East and let's, let's make, make, you look better. make us look better. But then I'm like, no, I want them to just be slapped around. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. please beat them. Um, and so I'm going to do that with all, like, I have a team that I want to win yeah. now just was like, Hey, I, but it's not, I'm not going to go out and buy their Jersey and, and I'm not going to be like, Hey, I'm going to be nice to the other teams that no, I'm irritated. I'm, so Rangers and Astros fans, you have my permission to just go at each other, <laughs> not in a violent way, but just let them have it. Like if, I'm, if the Rangers win, I'm not going to enjoy this very much, but if the Rangers win this series, let them have it. I'm That's very fun. much, you know, if that does happen. I'm excited to see them crumble. Hey, Golly. On, on, the, on the on the big stage. That's in the not World funny. Series. That's not funny. Hey. Well, why is it not funny? It's because it history repeats itself. <laughs> because look, if we make it to the World Series, we will see right, you tomorrow night. If we make it to the World Series, could you not be happy for me and my fan base? Okay. Oh, I'll be happy for you. I mean, first time in what twelve years? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we this the city of Arlington has had enough pain already. Okay. Just because of the Cowboys. Yes, yes. I saw this thing. It was kind of crazy. Uh, this this like uh, little serp. Just <laughs> this post. Uh, it said that all four of the Dallas major sports teams have been to the semifinals. So the Mavericks in the last two years, they they played the Warriors. They got worked. Um, the Rangers now, the um, the Dallas Stars. Wings and the Dallas Stars. They have all the Dallas who Wings. The Wings. The the women's. Oh. They made it to the semifinals this year. Okay. But all of the Dallas sports, major sports teams have made it to the semifinals except the Cowboys in the last two years. Um, hey. But the Cowboys has been the last and, I, and forever. I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan, by the way. So I'm not hating. I just, it's just something you're to think allowed. About. You're allowed to be a realist. There's, uh, one, there's one common ground that we can stand on. What's that? Actually, two. Okay. Uh, one is the Dallas Stars. Go Stars. Go yeah. Stars, go. And um, transition time. Uh, we're both indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Who? The Astros and the Rangers? <laughs> or or <laughs> no. you two? Uh, me, me and Caleb. Yeah, me and Caleb. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. We also have this in common, John. I appreciate that. Um, but based off of our animosity between each other, I decided to, the to establish some, some common ground. So this is about to be a doozy, probably a doozy of a couple weeks. And you even mentioned, John, that you want to do a sermon series on it at yeah, some point in time. There, here I'll let the, the the podcast world know we in in development for Sunday night especially. This could be a Sunday morning thing, but it it just seems in my mind to lend more towards Sunday night. But I have to get over that. Uh, we we normally just go exegetical, walking through passages, and so if uh, if the Lord opens it up to do like a little mini series in the midst of that about the Holy Spirit, that that would be great. There's there's two big topics that have been floating around in John's head for a couple of years. Uh, one of them, if you walk in my office and look up 
Uh, if you look at the books, not up at the ceiling, exactly. Yeah. Look at, but if you look at the books on my shelf, any of them that are turned like laying flat, uh, is that the that's the horizontal horizontal plane? Those are ones that I've read um, here recently, and I work through as many books as I can and turn them. And then once I get to like I'm looking at my shelf and a bunch of them are horizontal, then I start rereading and flipping back vertical. Uh, so the books that are in my office are ones that I visit again. Um, but if you look up at the top, there's like five or six that are just like Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, just from different authors in their point of view. Um, cause I think it would do us well to understand him better, uh, is one of those. And the other one is just like, uh, Joe Rigney wrote a book called the things of earth that help us like helps you think through and function in creation. Yeah. Um, cause a lot of times we don't, Christians don't know how to do that. So two, two of those, like just functional things, uh, for the, for the Christian walk that I kind of want to lean into, but God just hasn't opened up a space yet. And that's okay. Um, maybe in Hebrews next year or summer series or Ooh. Sunday morning. I don't know. We'll see. I love that. So, but yeah, the Holy Spirit, yeah, it's Holy been Spirit. a, it's been a topic. It is a big topic. I think in, in the Christian space, it should be, um, it's talked about in scripture all over the place. Um, I don't know what that was, but we'll move past it. It was clearing or something. <laughs> it cleared your lungs. Um, it's making room for the spirit. There was, he lives uh, there. man, I can be able to find the actual title of that again. Uh, or who it was, it was R.C. Sproul. Yes, I was, I was looking Arky? at some of his stuff right now. Yeah, so he he wrote a book literally called "Who Is the Holy Spirit." So now my question to you is to uh, basically speak out loud a book, um, and answering the question, "Who is the Holy Spirit?" Golly, yeah, I mean, this he, might take the whole podcast. So. He's the third person in the Trinity. Christian creed is that we believe that God is three in one, three person, one being, and so the Holy Spirit is the spirit of God. Um, and so obviously I think the easy way to define who the spirit is, is just to define what he does. Um, and so, I mean, I think it's, he's the third person in the Trinity. I think we often tend to think of the spirit as this presence or just a, um, like a thing, but to think that the spirit is literally a person that it, that a person, the spirit of God has dwelt in you. Um, and not the person that he's human, but he's a personal personal. Yes. And mm -hmm. so, um, I think, I mean, I think that's a, that's an easy definition that he's the third person of God. I'm not necessarily third in like, or like rankings, ranking necessarily, but the father, son, and the spirit. So I think again, we have to just define what the spirit does. What to do, <laughs> <laughs> what to do. Holy spirit crew. Golly. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. What do you want me to say? You're looking at me like that. I mean, I think I think we're gonna hit a can and we're gonna open it. And we're gonna we're, we're gonna, gonna sit there for a while. It. We're gonna hit a can. Um, yeah. I had on here like, is it is it a person? How do you describe that? Because I think a lot of us, when we hear the Holy Spirit, we obviously go New Testament. I think more than we do Old Testament, which is a question I had on here. But we may get there. We may not. Um, we think of it as a as a spirit. We think of it obviously it says Holy Spirit. We mm -hmm. think of it as um, I don't know this kind of mysterious maybe ethereal kind of being that indwells people. Um, so how would you try to describe it as a person? Is it just, is it like a personal, I don't know. Cause you say it's the third person in the Trinity. Um, I've heard that said so many times, but, but what does that truly mean for, for the Christian? Yeah. Because of the term spirit, then we often go like, it's this impersonal force out there um, doing something that I don't necessarily even understand versus versus the personal aspect of the spirit of God that, that does a ton of things and we can slow play walk through all of them um, if we wanted to. But 
uh, I even go back to the beginning. So when we talk about, um, we talk about the Trinity and a lot of times we would go, well, the Holy spirit was given to believers Pentecost. And so we, we go to the new Testament, we talk about Trinity, but if, even if you go just to Genesis chapter one, mm-hmm. um, in verse two, the earth was formless and void and empty darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters points to like points to the physical, um, yeah. that, that we can also make not only the Holy Spirit personal, but you can Old Testament make him make him physical. And he does things like he literally he, he spoke to Philip and he gave counsel um, at Jerusalem in Acts chapter eight and in Acts chapter 15. And so like there we see physical movements of a lot of times when I would talk to college students about their doubts. So they'll come to me and go, is it a sin that I doubt? And I go to the John the Baptist. It's just the easiest example for me that the John the Baptist was involved in the baptism of Jesus, got to see the Trinity on display. Here's yeah. the son who I'm literally holding. Here's the father speaking. Well done. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And then you see the spirit descending like a dove. He got to see all of that mm-hmm. on display. Um, and so he literally saw the spirit. And, and so it's hard for us to make it this impersonal aura that, that we, you know, that we don't can't see now. I don't think anyone has seen him, um, you know, from, from that point on outside of just like his miraculous work, but, but we need to make sure that we put into our minds, the idea, um, that he's more than just this impersonal force, but he is actually, um, a, a, the idea that we can be indwelt with God through the spirit as co-equal part of the Trinity, um, because even when Caleb said he's the third part of the Trinity, I don't like that. And yeah, we do that. And I don't like it either. Yeah. Because you said it, you know, when you say it and you go, okay, well, he's the last, mm-hmm. he's like the, like the stepbrother of, of the Trinity. Yeah. Um, and, and I understand that because like, oh God, the father. Yeah. I like that. And Jesus, like mm. he came, he's on the cross, all those things, the spirit, I don't get it. Um, in the Baptist world, we've probably made it more difficult uh, to understand, but that's where if we can just zoom into the, to the things that he did. And that may be the thing that helps us is just like, look at scripture and go, I don't know if we have to prove the deity of the spirit. I don't think we have to prove that mm. to help us understand the, the Trinity, but maybe if we just look at the function or the work of the spirit, and you could even look at that in the new Testament versus the old Testament, how he functioned. Um, but, but we have to make it personal. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think again, like a confusion of who is the spirit a lot of times just goes back to a confusion of, who is God in the sense that it's easy for our minds, our human minds to understand Jesus, right? Because Jesus was, was he took on flesh and he became a human, right? And so it's easy for, to, for us to, to work from the ground up to think, Oh, well, Jesus is God because of all the things he did. Right. Um, but it's hard for uh, in our, in our finite minds to like, even think about, well, what is God like? What is, what is God's nature? apart from the image of Christ, because, uh, the word, the word there is anthropomorphism. And so it's assigning human characteristics to God. And so I think that's a lot of times why it's hard for us to think about, well, um, apart from his character, like what does God look like or what does God sound like? And again, we're trying to assign these, these characteristics that are innately human to someone that's not to a, to a being that's not human necessarily. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's how we have to understand the spirit is again, if, if the father's character is revealed in the spirit, 
then I think we have to see the, the spirit's character um, in the son as well. And so I think just again, we, we have to, like John said, we have to realize that he's a being and not a, a spirit, like not, not a, he is a spirit, but not a um, spirit that we often think of that. He's not just this aura almost. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's important just to know that you're with the son. It's easier because you're assigning from the ground up, but the father, we have to, we have to reframe our minds to think that, Hey, he's, he's not going to be like our human understanding. Yeah. So and I think that that's the thing that makes it hard for people. And I think that's why so many Christians shy away from trying to understand the Holy spirit, because, um, I think with Jesus, we have this, um, idea of him as a human being, um, right. A hundred percent man. And then with God, we see them, see him as a picture of a father. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't really have a human understanding of who the spirit or how we can sort of align that with our human, uh, comprehension. So I think to help us kind of wrap our heads around, which, you know, we'll try our best here in these couple minutes, but, uh, how would you say, I mean, what is the spirit's importance and what is the purpose of the Holy spirit? So what, what does he do and why is he important? Um, because you you mentioned he does things, and we we're gonna he, hopefully list some of these out. But yeah, he'd be doing stuff. So, um, man, oh, this could get this is gonna be multiple. That's fine. Here, here we go. So, we need to clarify. Maybe um, every every Christian to be a Christian means that you have the Spirit of God. To be a Christian means you have the Spirit in that Romans eight nine. Um, and so like, if you're, you're holding onto that, uh, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him, uh, which is a, <laughs> a, a dangerous verse also. Um, but I mean, he basically says that we are, are known, um, as Christians because the spirit of God dwells in us. But I, I think there's also a, a part of this where we, we then ask the question, uh, am I being spirit led? Um, is it okay to ask the spirit to to invade the service, to sing the songs to the spirit, like things that, that we all theologically, uh, have to, have to wrestle with. And so, um, I, I think that there's a difference that maybe we need to put on the table of going, um, how do I, how do I know for sure that I have the Holy spirit within me versus how am I filled with the Holy spirit? Um, and so looking at those two, we just, you draw this line really early on that as a Christian, you have the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. And so non Christians, <laughs> non Christ followers do not, um, have the Holy spirit. So that's going to be the foundation. And then if the, if having the Holy spirit is your mark as a Christian and you can't be a Christian, if you don't have the Holy spirit, um, then there are no Christians, um, who, who can say that they don't, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is what believers that what Christ followers should, should seek daily to experience so that we can more clearly live a Christ honoring, exalting where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, um, which is a verse that we've perverted so often. Um, but, but in that, like we experience a Christ honoring, uh, freedom in our lives that brings about, uh, boldness in life and in conversation, uh, power as we approach other people. Um, and all of that happens as we understand like that as Christians, we have the spirit and we should be seeking more of it so that we can reflect Christ more clearly. So his character and nature from that, like, what is he, what, what's the spirit's role? Um, I'll throw out a couple and then we'll let Caleb throw out a couple and go from there. 
Um, one, like I just have to go like he's the spirit of truth. I'm just going to just like sit on that fact. Um, if he's the spirit of truth, then he also brings to mind um, truth when I need it. Uh, which could be learned, but could also just be supernatural. Um, and so th this all happens. I'm just going to have to start finding these verses. Uh, and I have way too many chapters of the Bible open on Log Austin. So this is going to take me a second. Uh, John chapter 14. I'm just going through. Uh, John 14, 17. Um, he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it does not see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains in you and and you and will be in you because he remains in you and will be in you. So he's like literally the spirit of truth. 15, uh, 26, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth. God bless you. <laughs> the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father. And, and I love this. He will testify about me. This is a verse that I hold on to in my like understanding of the Holy Spirit, like his yeah. job is to testify about Jesus. Yeah. Um, and in that being the spirit of truth, he can push us um, towards him in that way. And then 16, uh, 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, these are all Jesus' words. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Mm. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. And so he guides us, brings our mind to whatever is truth and pushes us into spaces of truth or to live out that truth. And the challenge with that, or um, the bonus, I think, which is also a challenge, um, is that the enemy's goal is to pervert truth. God yeah. didn't really say, that's the beginning lie. And so so when you're dealing with sin issues, when you're dealing with, with darkness, I mean, so we go to the word, um, that's, the, that's how we contend with sin. But, but the enemy's trying to confuse us or I, our idea of truth or to blur our idea of truth which, which means that that's his original trick, then being spirit-led towards the idea of truth is the most important function, I think. So I'm going to put him up there as truth first. Yeah, I think another, another one that is important is regeneration. We kind of talked about that before. And so I just want to clear something up. I think a lot of people think... Open the can right there. What John just said, John just said that the spirit is with us to, to bring us into all truth and that every believer has the spirit living inside of them. And so I think a lot of times we think of the spirit as this idea that when we believe in Jesus, we're granted the spirit in the sense that the spirit is starts working in us once we're saved. And I think that's a faulty and just really partial understanding of the spirit. And so there's an article I, I would recommend to anybody to read from a, from a website that I would recommend everybody to look at at least once or twice, but it's called, uh, I can't say it really well, but Ligonier uh, Ministries. Legionnaire. And Legionnaire. Yeah. And so that's R.C. Sproul's ministry. And so I just want to read this section about, in this article, about the sovereignty of God and the unity of the Trinity. And so in this article, um, from the sovereignty of the Spirit, Stephen Lawson says, moreover, the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit into this world to apply the saving death of Christ to all the elect. As the gospel is proclaimed, the Spirit issues a special inward call to those chosen ones, those elected by the Father and redeemed by the Son. Here's the, here's the important part. The Spirit powerfully regenerates their spiritually dead souls, raising them from the grave of sin to saving in faith in Christ. Um, and so this idea that the Spirit is sent by God to regenerate the hearts of dead people 
to believe in Jesus. In other words, dead people, the Bible says that we're dead, Romans chapter 3, that all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, they're incapable on their own of coming to Christ. And so the spirit sent by God is the one that opens their eyes to see their, their deadness. And so he continues in this effectual act, the spirit opens the spiritually blind eyes of the elect to see the truth. That's 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. He opens their deaf ears to hear his voice, John chapter 10, verse 27. And he opens their closed hearts to receive the gospel. That's Acts chapter 16, verse 14. And then lastly, he activates their dead wills to believe the saving message. That's John chapter 1, verse 13. And so the spirit overcomes all resistance and triumphs in the hearts. And so just this idea that the spirit, he's not only just in you when you believe, but he's the one that, that changes your heart to believe in the first place. And so I think we have to truly believe that, that not only does the son save us by his redeeming act of the cross, not only does the father save us from before time, but we have to realize that this, the spirit is the one that brings us to the place of belief in the first place. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> still thinking about that one. He, he, pondering. he it up. So, so Luke 18, 27, just memorize this. If you don't already know it, it basically it's what is impossible with man is possible with God. Just hold on to that. Um, I think that that might be the antithesis to uh, Philippians 4, 13a. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can do all things through Christ. Okay. So, so what is impossible with man is possible with God. Um, what Caleb, what Caleb just did, and, and we have to understand this when, when I go, you need the spirit of truth to lead you. Um, you also need a proper understanding of why you need to be led. And in that, if, if, and it is true, what he said, I mean, biblically, it's the spirit's role is, um, regeneration of the heart, um, to bring the dead alive, um, in his acting. And, and so if that's true, we have to have this constant reminder, at least I function with a constant reminder of what I was like before then. Um, and, and a lot of you thankfully come from really great families and you have your parents that go, yeah, even before you met Jesus, you were a good little boy or girl. Like that can be the statement, um, to you. But, but the Bible more than that goes before you became a Christ follower, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, Ephesians 2, you were unable to receive the things of the spirit. Like you could not receive them. He, yeah. he says that to the church in Corinth in chapter two, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him. They are unable to understand them because they are spiritually um, discerned things. And so like we can't even understand the things of the spirit. And, and Paul, uh, what he calls, he's like this mind of flesh, which is not able to submit to God or to please God. For those of you that are studying through Romans, good luck in Romans chapter eight, because that's what he's going to do. Like we have this mind of flesh and we cannot do those things outside of the work of the spirit. And so it's hard for us to push against that in any way, shape or form. You can get into some theological gymnastics, which are fun for us to talk about. They're not divisive, but to go, okay, well, what role did I have in choosing that? All of those things. And, and people have valid points there. Sure. But you have to give the spirit credit for the things that the spirit did, which means that he enables dead people, deaf people, blind people, um, spiritually, all of those things, mm. the ability to see our hearts change, our minds change, our, our affections change. And they, they went from being dead and not even so much bent away from God. Um, but they are, but just dead to being made alive through the Holy Spirit. And then you go, well, how, how does that happen? 
And, and then I'd look at the person who's asking these questions, who's confused. And I go, it's a miracle. Mm, it's the yeah. sovereign grace of God applied to my helpless state to raise me from the dead. And he listed the spaces that it happens like that's just the miracle of him opening our eyes, breathing life onto us. And when we see the gospel and he gives us the ability to respond to that, then you function in those ways. Like he, the spirit gives life. Um, and then in that life, he sustains it by the fact that he points us towards truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think even, sorry, were you going to say something? No, go for it. I think even just in like John chapter three, um, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus and he says that, uh, let me, let me go to it because I don't remember exactly what is said, but just before the, the famous verse that everybody knows, um, he says, you must be born again. And he says in verse six or five before that, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. And then Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And so just this idea that it's, it's a heavenly thing to to receive the spirit. And so just this idea that again, like Galatians even talks about it, that you, a lot of times we, again, we think that the spirit was given to us at salvation, but we have to remember that the spirit was working our salvation from the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then that brings up the other important work of the spirit, which is sanctification. Um, You know, I think a lot of Christians would, would openly and say rightfully that the spirit is in them. And yet a lot of times as Christians, it's easy to think that sanctification happens by ourselves. that we just, now that we know Christ, we have the, the spirit inside of us. And now we can just make right or wrong decisions. And yet the Bible still says that sanctification to look more like Jesus is a work of the spirit. That's Galatians three, verse one, I think, or two, maybe. And so just sanctification, that's another um, idea. And so this, this other article that I found says, those united to Christ further enjoy death to sin and newness of life, which are affected in our identification with Christ and his death and resurrection. Sanctification is the work of the spirit as he binds us to the Christ who at his resurrection, not only overwhelms the guilt of sin, but conquers the power of sin. Sanctification is secured by Jesus. It is given to us and worked in us by his spirit. That's the Romans six, verse one through 11 and Galatians five. And so just that important part that John mentioned earlier, um, that sanctification happens by the spirit. And I'm blanking on the last part that he said, but, uh, yeah. Sanctification. Try to have the little interruption there to remember. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was just going to ask you guys and you kind of already started to hit on this, but, but what's the balance of, someone being made new in Christ, the Holy spirit indwells them. Obviously the spirit was working out their salvation from the beginning of time. Um, but upon salvation, that's Romans ten nine, spirit enters their hearts, but there's still this, this, this battle, this, uh, tension between one's sinfulness, even though they've been made 
white as snow in God's eyes because of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, but there's still this sinfulness in humanity because we're here on earth, there's sin around us and in us still. Uh, and then being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Like what is, why is that still a tension? How does that play out with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. I mean, the simple answer, I think I know what you're asking, but the simple answer is that is that the Holy Spirit is the one causing that tension. Um, you wouldn't have that tension in your life if right. you weren't being <laughs> indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't care. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> go ahead and sin. Um, and, and wouldn't feel those. Now, I think that there's like, just probably a universal consciousness that's wrapped up in maybe the universal grace of God that we just know right and wrong and um, guilt and innocence or whatever in our life. But, but I think if you wake up and, and you have an amazement uh, towards the things of God of just be like, and it can be, it can be shallow. Um, and, and I don't mean that as an insult, but, but you may, may be like contending for your faith and growing in your faith and figuring out, like, I mean, Paul says, like we, we fight for our, uh, for our salvation. He's talking about your sanctification. So do you wake up and you just think about some of the things of God? Mm-hmm. Do you have that in you? That's the Holy spirit pushing you towards truth. And then are you contending against sin in your life in a way that is irritating or painful? Then you would go, the spirit is doing something in me. I may not like that. And you shouldn't, um, based off of the work that he does and, and our, our sanctification. I mean, the language is really, really important, uh, that Paul uses over and over again, um, that, that it is a battle and it is difficult. And, and so yeah. do, if you have that sense in you, then I'm going to go rest assured yeah. <laughs> that you are being <laughs> influenced by the Holy spirit, um, that you have the Holy spirit in you, that he's changing your nature, that you're working out your salvation, as Paul would say that, and like you already have been saved, but we continue the process. Again, when we, we talk about salvation, this is a whole different podcast. We talk about salvation. A lot of times we just go, it was when I was saved. Um, that would have been like when you were regenerated, that part of your justification that happened, but your sanctification is lifetime. Your glorification is going to be in heaven. And all of that is part of your salvation. Hmm. Uh, and the Holy Spirit has a role in the beginning that brings you to life and then has a sustaining role to push you to see Jesus more clearly for the rest of your life. Uh, and, and that part of it's more difficult. Yeah, that's good. And I think even as, as you continue to grow, um, I think you start to see even more sinfulness in your life, even though you begin to look more and more like Christ, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the confusing thing that when people begin to uh, grow in their sanctification by the power of the spirits, um, their heart breaks even more for their sinfulness um, and for the sinfulness of the, of the world in general, um, yeah. which I think is, I don't know, it's just interesting to look at that, um, you know, someone who may sin more often as a newer believer, cause they just don't have a right understanding at that point um, of um, just how the spirit is working and, and things that um, are walking in the light and not walking in the light compared to someone who is very um, actively walking in, um, in the light may, I don't even know what I'm trying to say at this point. Um, someone later on throughout the process of sanctification um, sees their sinfulness as a bigger issue than those who are in the beginning process of mm-hmm. sanctification sometimes, which, yeah. is, which is an interesting thing. But Yeah, and I, I remember what I was going to say earlier. Okay. Uh, just the idea that <clears throat> sanctification, when John mentioned that the Spirit is, his job is to guide you into truth. Mm. And I think that's like, I was reading an article now about conviction and sanctification happens by conviction. And so I think that brings up an interesting question that a lot of people have asked me. Uh, I even asked myself for a long time of what does it look like then if, if the Bible says that only 
like Christians can be convicted. Does that mean that, that unbelievers can't know right from wrong? No, like, of course they do know right from wrong. But I think the difference is conviction. This, this article is saying conviction is to experience an utter dreadfulness of sin. Our attitude towards sin becomes that of Joseph who fled temptation, crying out, how can I do this great evil and sin against God? So where the unbeliever doesn't do wrong things because either they, they don't want to be punished for them or because they don't like how that negatively affects them, or maybe even they're a humanitarian person and they say, well, I don't like how this affects others. Notice that only for the believer is their opinion, how could I do this to my God? That's, that's the point of conviction. And so I think, again, we have to see that the Spirit is the one that does that. Um, this article says, when the Holy Spirit convicts people of their, of their sin, he represents the righteous judgment of God. That's Hebrews 4. Um, and then like what John said in John chapter 14, that the spirit guides you to truth. Um, the spirit is the one that doesn't just show you that what you're doing is wrong, but shows you that what you're doing offends God. Because again, unbelievers can know that what they're doing is wrong. Um, but again, the spirit brings a knowledge that what you're, they're doing offends God and it, it hurts the heart of God and the conviction of the Spirit brings people to a place where they, they want to genuinely change, not just to avoid the consequences, not just to avoid what it did to them, but because they, they care about God's heart and they don't want to offend God's heart anymore. Hmm. So. That's good. I was going to ask a, a question that would send us over probably an hour, so we're going we're gonna to hold that one for next what's, week. What, what's your question? Can I uh, know for next week? Yeah, Acts 2, uh, Day of Pentecost. Mm. Um, and how um, believers before the day of Pentecost, what does that mean for the Holy Spirit with them? Because hmm. um, oh, I think a lot of people have questions about old, that. Old Testament Holy Spirit function. Oh, yeah. Mm. So I that'll like be, be for next week. But I think that just a final question is uh, for those who maybe a lot of things made sense to people listening to this or um, are completely lost. What are some, some guiding points to challenge but also encourage our people when thinking about the Holy Spirit? Um, hmm, I like that question. Mm. Uh, one, here's, here's the promise to believers that you need to connect, um, about the Holy Spirit in you that, uh, for some, for some reason in God's sovereignty, he decided to, to, to give the spirit to you, um, as a, as a sustainer, uh, throughout your salvation. And, and in that, like we have to know, uh, first Corinthians six, 19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God. You're, you're not your own. And then like that, we, we see that you are bought with a price. So glorify God with your body um, is, that, is that promise. But when we say that, um, guilt rises up, uh, I think, with a lot of people. And they go, there, there are aspects, and, and you can make this like sexual sin if you want to, or, or thought life or action or anything, language, um, where we go, I've failed I've grieved the Holy Spirit. I've, I'm working against the Spirit's uh, function in my life. And so what does that actually, like, what does that mean um, for me going forward? How do I, how do I handle this? Um, I love this promise uh, from Paul that is just a constant reminder um, in uh, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 30. Do, don't grieve the Holy Spirit or, or don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him. And then the last parts of that is really important for the day of redemption. 
you you weren't sealed by him until you sin enough. You weren't sealed by him until you've grieved him enough and he gives up. Um, our our command, our encouragement to not grieve the Holy Spirit is wrapped up in this promise that he is working in and through you all the way up until your point of the day of redemption means until your glorification, until you get to heaven um, and your salvation is then complete, that the Holy Spirit is with you. And so even when you go, well, I know my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, but I know that I sin. I know I've, I've, I've messed this up over and over again what I, I start to lose confidence in self, which is fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. But then I think in that you start to lose confidence in the Holy Spirit working in you. Mm. And instead you should lean into the promise that he is with you all yeah. the way until the end. And that shouldn't be an excuse to be like, all right, hit cruise control. I'm good. The Spirit's just going to sustain me all the way up until that point. Instead it should go, um, if he's set me free to live a life of freedom that um, as I'm spirit led, brings about a boldness and a confidence to share the gospel in places that it's needed with a, um, with a fervor, with a passion, um, that really can't be stopped and people can see that should be what that pushes you to instead of just like, I'm a sinful wretch, just was going to curl up and die. And the spirit's got me. No run with that. Like you have a superpower that we don't necessarily fully embrace all the time. And if he's going to indwell in you that way, all the way up until the point of redemption, why would you not? go, let me see as many ways as I possibly can, how the spirit can work in my life, through my life, to other people in my life. I just want to see them come alive. And I'm going to give them the opportunity to like, it'd be foolish for us to, to not do that. Even if you don't fully understand how he works, because mm. you won't, mm. um, but give him the opportunity to work. Yeah. yeah. I think Matt, the whole, the whole thing that I, when I was listening to him say that, the the thing that was just being said over and over in my mind is just like we, we mentioned over and over, the spirit is, is hard to understand. And so the way that to understand the spirit more is to seek the spirit in prayer. I mean, I think we just have to, that's the most practical thing we can do is approach God in prayer. Philippians four, um, <clears throat> if I can get to it, Philippians four, verse six says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so just this idea, when you seek the spirit in prayer to inform you about the spirit and to encourage you in the spirit, he will do so because that's something in accordance with his will. And so I think um, even in that, just, we have to have, like John was talking about this assurance that the spirit is, has sealed us. Galatians four says that we're sons or our daughters of the King and the spirit is the seal. And so my encouragement to all of us is even though we don't understand the spirit, um, know that he's sealed you. He's got you for the day of redemption. Like John said. Um, and again, if you, if you don't understand him, seek him in prayer because, um, his goal is to be, is to be known in you. And so if, if you wish to know the spirit, seek his face in prayer. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think right along with what you were saying, I think my challenge to those who, I, I think I mentioned earlier and I've had conversations with people that are just kind of scared of the aspect of the Holy spirit and what he does. If that's the spot that you're sitting, I would say, take off, take off the theoretical bandaid in a sense and, and just see what he does. Um, and for those who are actively seeking, like Caleb was saying and, and seeking him in prayer, to understand him more, don't put a cap on, on who the Holy spirit is that you figured him out. Um, cause it's just not going to happen. And so yeah. if you're in the spot of you're, you're scared of him, 
give him a shot and see what he does because I think he'll blow you away um, as he always does. And if you're in a spot of uh, seeking him, then, um, you know, uh, don't try to try, try to cap him in and put him in a box because that's not going to work. So don't put spear in a box. Yeah. And just like the Astros are going to blow out the Rangers. Whoa, what? Yep. <laughs> put the Rangers in a box? <laughs> yeah, I did. All right. <laughs> he said, all right. All right. All right, all right, all right. All right, seek the spirit. <laughs> That's a good word. That's a good word. We'll see you guys back here next week. Hey, I'll be here. Holy Spirit, part two. Coming at you. Bye.